stuff. So anyway, we got things to get involved with. We got the hiking groups. We got some things for you guys to hook up to and, and get involved with. Praise God. Let's, let's pray real quick. Father, I thank you for this opportunity to bring your word today, Father. And Lord, I would just ask that your Holy Spirit would speak to your people, Father, Lord. Lord, your God, that we'll put off the old clothes, Father, and that we'll put on the new clothes in you. Father, I bind every hindering spirit, Father God, it would come against your word, Father. And I just ask, Father, you'd loose the anointing power of your Holy Spirit in this place, Father God, that your word would go forth, Father. And Father, I ask it right now in your precious name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Father, Lord. Thank you, Father, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So I want to talk to you guys this morning about putting off the old clothes. Not the clothes you're wearing now. Please keep your clothes on. We don't want any of those coming off. But I'm talking about the old clothes, your old garments of the flesh, of your fleshly nature, guys. Because when you get saved, you become that new person in Christ. There's some old clothes to take off, and there's some new clothes to put on. You're either going to be clothed in the things of the spirit, or you're going to be clothed in the things of the natural, the natural man or the spiritual man. So what clothes are you wearing today, guys? What do people see when they look at you? Do they see Christ in you, or do they see the world in you? What clothes are you wearing See, too many Christian guys, we're wearing the wrong clothes. We're dressed like the world spiritually. We look like the world. We talk like the world. We dress like the world. And there's an old saying, if you look like a duck, you walk like a duck, you quack like a duck, you're probably a duck. See, too many Christians, uh, we don't wear what we profess in Christ. Our lives don't line up. We try to wear the world and we try to wear Jesus at the same time, and they don't mix See, Christ is his own wardrobe, and he's got his own clothing line, and it's called holiness, guys. And there's no mixing and matching the things of the Spirit and the things of God. Jesus says in John 4.24, those who worship him must worship him in truth and spirit. So, guys, you can't be worshiping God and being in a fleshly nature, being clothed in the things of the flesh. You've got to put off the old flesh and put on the things in Christ. Christ says, come out from this world and be a separate people. You've got to come out from that old nature, the old clothes in your life, and put on the new clothes in the spirit of God. Praise the Lord. See, guys, if Christ is abiding in your life, there's going to be a change in your spiritual clothing. See, there's clothes for us as Christians to put on in our Christian life every day that's going to make us look more like Christ. The Bible says when we become born again that the old clothes, the old nature, the old way of living my life, the old way of talking, the old way of speaking, the old way of living and acting, that's the old nature. That's to be put off, and there's a new nature, a new clothing to be put on in Christ. 2 Corinthians says this in 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. All old things have passed away, and that all things have become new. You become a new creature in Christ Jesus. Another translation says fresh and new. That means when you become born again, you become a new believer in Christ, you're going to have some fresh, clean clothes to put on in Christ. You're going to put on some fresh, clean clothes, guys. Off with the old, on with the new. There should be a new way of thinking in your life, a new way of acting, a new way of living, because you're going to be clothed in the newness of Christ. Colossians 3 and 9 says this, Since you put off the old man with his deeds, and you put on the new man who's renewed in knowledge. We're renewed in the knowledge, guys, of God's word. God's word would clean your clothes. It's like Tide. He gets all the stains and all the dirts out of your clothes. He puts your fresh and clean clothes in your life. And you have to have a wardrobe change, guys, from the old nature to the new nature in the Lord. 
And usually when you're going to put on fresh, clean clothes, you know, you're going to take a bath, you're going to take a shower. And so we mentioned earlier, we're going to have a baptismal. That's one of the first things you need to do when you become a new person in Christ is you need to be baptized. You need to let people know around you, make that public confession that I've been crucified with Christ. I've been raised with him. There's a change in my life. And so you can see me after church, Sister Shannon or Liz, and we'll get your phone numbers and your information because we're going to have a baptismal here pretty soon. Because you, you need to be baptized. That's right. So why do I need to clothe myself in the garments of salvation, spiritual clothing? Well, number one, guys, is because my righteousness is filthy rags. Isaiah says in 64, 6, all of us have become like one who's unclean. All of our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We shrivel up like a leaf, and like the wind, our sins sweep us away. Filthy rags, guys, in the Bible, it's examples of the inability to be clean before God. It's our unrighteous self-works, our unworthiness. See, there's nothing I can do. There's nothing you can do to be clean before God. It takes the precious blood of Jesus Christ, the atoning blood of Jesus Christ, to be applied to my life where we can be clean. That's the only way we can be clean, guys, is to be washed in the precious blood of Jesus Christ. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. It takes the blood of Jesus Christ, guys. My righteousness, your righteousness is filthy rags. There's nothing you'll ever do to be good enough to to stand before God. It's only having his blood applied to our life, guys, that makes us righteous, makes us clean. My clothes are dirty outside of Christ. Dirty rags and filthy rags refers to as the rags of a leopard in the Bible. They had these leper colonies, and they'd have these rags hanging up. And the people with leprosies, they would come and grab these rags, and they, they would scrape their open wounds and sores, and then they would leave them there. And the next leopard would come and clean and his open wounds and sores, and they were just filthy and nasty. And then the other reference is to minstrel rags, bloody rags. And, and guys, that's just a picture of what your righteousness and my righteousness looks like outside of Christ without having the blood of Jesus Christ. Christ applied to your life, your righteousness, your self-righteousness is bloody, it's dirty, it's nasty rags. That's why there's nothing you could ever do, no amount of money, uh, no amount of works that you can do could ever get you a place in God's kingdom, could never get you a place at God's table, because our righteousness is bloody rags before the Lord. It takes the precious blood of Jesus Christ, guys, to make you clean before the Lord. Some church organizations and people think their works will get them in right standings with God, will get them a place in heaven. See, guys, any works done outside of salvation is just dirty works. See, I can work in my yard, I can get dirty, I can get sweaty, and unless I, I, I change my clothes, I've still got dirty works. See, my works won't cover my filthiness. I can work for the Salvation Army. I can, I can pay money to help the dolphins and, and the wells, and I can feed the homeless. But if I'm not covered in the precious blood of Jesus Christ, all my works is still filthy rags before the Lord. It takes the blood of Christ being applied to your life. That's the way there's, there's no way to get to God, guys, without going through Christ. You have to go through Christ, the precious blood of Jesus Christ. That's the only thing that makes man clean before God. Why do I need to be clothed myself in the garments of salvation? Spiritual clothing is because in number two, guys, we're in a race. Hebrews says this, let us throw off everything that hinders us, every sin that entangles us, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. God's got a, a race. He's got a plan marked out for your life, guys. And you've got to get rid of the old clothes in your life. There's a race for you, and God wants you to run it. In order for you to be successful at that race, guys, you've got to cast off the old dirty clothes of the old nature, the old flesh. All those dirty clothes, guys, because sin's heavy. Sin will weight you down. That's why uh, um, 
what's it called right here? Marathon runners. Well, they'll, well, they'll wear the lightest shoes they can find, the lightest funky-looking shorts they can find, and those shirts, guys, because they want to be quick on their feet. They want to get to the mark. They want to finish the race. I used to have this, uh, this weight vest that was 40 pounds, and I would wear it, and, uh, and I'd wear it at home, I'd wear it at school, and just before track, I would take it off. That way, you know, the weight came off, and I felt light on my feet. It made me feel a whole lot lighter. And then last year when I was hiking and I had this backpack that was 50-something pounds and I was going through the mountains and all that, it was pretty heavy. By the time I stopped and set up camp and I took this pack off, my feet, man, they felt like they just wanted to keep... I was like high-stepping because I got all that weight. And guys, when you get the weight of sin off your shoulders, you'll feel like you can run the race. You'll feel like you can climb a mountain. Get rid of all the dirty clothes in your life, all the things that weight you down that'll keep you from running the race. See, you have to be willing to recognize the dirty clothes in your life. You have to be, recognize them and then be willing to get rid of them. But the problem, guys, is some of our clothes, they, they feel so good, we're not, we're not willing to get rid of them. They're so comfortable. It's like that pair of blue jeans, you know, that just fits perfect in all the right spots. You don't even wash them. You just take them off and you put them back in your closet for like another day. That hat or that, that pair of pajamas, man, they just fit perfect. And see, people, we get comfortable with our sins, our little hang-ups, and they feel too good to let go. I got this hat that's it's ugly, it's, it's, it's sweat-stained, and it's faded, and it smells, and my wife hates it, and I love it. It just it fits my head so perfect, all the cracks and crevices, and I don't even know it's there. It's light, it's comfortable, it's a part of me. It's just, it knows me well, man. And that's just like some of our dirty, ugly stains that we carry in the spirit realm, guys. We've had them so long, we're comfortable with them. You know, like the hat of hatred, the, the shirt of anger, the, the pants of pride. You know, you got to be willing to recognize these things in your life and get rid of them. But if you don't ever seek God, if you don't ever spend time with God to go deeper in your relationship with the Lord, you will want to cast off those dirty clothes. See, that's why you need the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. The power of the Holy Spirit living in your life will bring conviction to your dirtiness in your life, the dirty clothes in your life, and he'll help clothe you in the things of God, the things that's not mismatched. He'll, he'll make you uh, right with God. And see, guys, if we don't go deeper in our relationship, you won't want to cast those clothes off. You'll want to stay in those comfortable clothes of the old nature. See, spiritual dirty clothes in your life, guys, will hinder God's uh, what he's wanting to do in your life, the growth that he's wanting to do in your life. He wants to grow you and build you, and you can't do it if you're living in the old nature, the old nature of man, the old nature of flesh. you got to cast it off and put the new clothes on in Christ. God has a plan for you, a purpose for your life, and he doesn't want you sitting around in dirty rags. You're a king's kid. He wants to put that ring on your finger. He wants to wrap that robe of righteousness around your life. He's got a plan and purpose for your life. We need to do some spiritual laundry in our life. Get rid of the dirty clothes and put on some new clothes in our life. The Apostle Paul says this in Colossians 8. He says, but now you sell, yourselves are to put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. He's saying, do not lie to one another. Since you put off the old man and his deeds, that old nature, and put on the new man who's renewed in the knowledge according to him who's called us, who's created us. Paul uses this word put off because it's like dirty clothes, heavy, filthy clothes. They need to be stripped off. They need to be put out of our life, pulled off like one at a time, layer by layer. You need to get rid of the dirty clothes, guys, in your life. These sins that Paul are talking about here in, in verse 8, they're known as social sins because they affect people around us. Someone said these are everyday sins because we've become so accustomed to them. 
You know, anger, a bad attitude, fits of carnality, lying, you know, dirty humor. You know, we're no longer convicted by them. See, people would be shocked if someone committed sexual sin in the church, but when someone has a tincture tantrum and they blow up and they have an attitude, we kind of excuse it and we look over it and, well, that's just the way they are or that's just the way I am. And there's no excuse for that stuff, guys, in our lives. See, social sins can be devastating. The amount of people that's left the church because of sexual sin doesn't even compare to the amount of people that's left the church because someone's had a bad attitude. They didn't shake someone's hand. They showed them, you know, just they, they weren't friendly to them and they were just, you know, had a, a rage, a raging spirit, just a mean spirit about them. There's no room for that in a Christian life, guys. We're to cast those things off our life. They're to be put at the foot of the cross and they're to stay there. There's no room for bad attitudes. Fits of the flesh. We need to learn to crucify our flesh, guys. Put it under subjection. Paul says this, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives within me. In other words, guys, I can't have a fit of f- uh, flesh or carnality because it's not me that lives. It's Christ that lives within me, and I'm to show his godliness. I'm to show his cleanness. I'm to show his love and his mercy to people, and I can't do it if I'm walking in my flesh. That's why I have to crucify this fleshly man. I have to take off this old nature, and I have to put on the nature of Christ, which is love, that loves people, that don't want to bite people's heads off. It amazes me the amount of people that's been serving the Lord for a long time that still have temper tantrums, that still cuss. You know, there should come a point in our lives, guys, where we begin to walk in and experience sanctification in our lives. Where we don't do those old things of the old nature and the flesh anymore. We put them at the cross. We leave them there. They're crucified. They're under the blood. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 13 and 11. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things, guys. There comes a point in your life, guys, where you got to grow up and you got to mature in Christ. Samuel's mom would bring him, the Bible says, a new coat every year up to the temple because he was growing in the physical and he was growing in his spiritual service and he, she would bring him a new coat. And guys, us, we should be growing in our Christian walk every year. We should be getting bigger faith, greater uh, dedication to the church, growing in our relationship with a Christ in Christ that we're putting off the old nature, guys, and we're becoming mature people of God. And we're not doing those old things that we used to do when we first got saved. We're putting it away. It's being crucified. Yeah. Pastor Ben would say sanctification is having the want to not to do the things you used to do. You have to have a want to not to do those things of the flesh, of the things that you used to do. You've got to be willing to lay it down. We have to recognize our sins, guys, our sin issues. We have to recognize the old clothing in our life and be willing to lay it aside. Paul tells us to put it off. Put these things off from your life. Cast them off like they're clothes that don't fit. Dirty clothes and filthy garments that should be put off from, our, from the believer's life is this. Number one is anger, guys. See, anger will get you in all kinds of trouble. It causes you to react. It causes you to seek revenge. Anger causes people to lash out with their words. It causes people to lash out in the, in the physical Anger will cause you to hurt people. It'll cause you to hurt yourself, those around you, people you love. It has no place in the Christian's life. See, anger's like a cancer, guys. If you let it go, it will eat you up. There's no room for it in your Christian walk. Ecclesiastic says this in 7 and 9. 
Do not be quickly provoked in your spirit, for anger resides in the lap of fools. You can't be quick-tempered. We're to walk in the love of Christ, not anger. Anger has no place in your clothing. you got to take it off. you got to put it off. you got to leave it at the cross, guys. Number two, Paul tells us that wrath needs to come off. Wrath is anger with an intense emotional response. Wrath is all manifestations of anger. Wrath is a forceful anger. It's a vengeance anger. It's a fierce anger. It's a violent anger. Wrath will cause you to beat your wife. Wrath will cause you to abuse your kids. Wrath will cause you to murder. Wrath will cause you to lash out and hurt somebody physically. It has no place in the Christian's life. It has no place in a new person that's been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ that's a child of God. That's the old nature. It doesn't need to be a part of the new nature in Christ. There's no room for it. The evangelist Billy Sunday in the 1900s was, uh, was talking with a lady that wanted to rationalize her violent outburst of anger and stuff. She says, um, she tells me, it's, it's okay that I blow up and I get mad. She goes, I just blow up and then it's done and it's over with. And he tells her, well, so's a shotgun, but look at the damage it does. See, guys, because there's always collateral damage when you have fits of carnality and fits of rage and all that. It affects your family. It affects your spouse. It, it affects your children. It affects your relationships. There's no place for that in the Christian's life. That needs to be crucified, and you need to work on it every day if it is in your life because it's not something God wants for your walk. Wrath always causes damage. We can't excuse wrath and anger in our lives, guys. It's got to be stripped off like bad clothes and thrown away. It needs to be crucified. Number three is malice, Paul tells us. And malice is the desire to do bad things to another person. It's a deliberate intention to plan to be unlawful. It's a desire to see others suffer, to take pleasure in someone else's misfortune. I was talking with a lady this week that uh, said that she was praying that the Lord would break her husband's legs so, so he'd be in one spot so the Lord could deal with him. You can't pray prayers like that. Lord, break my husband's legs, break my wife's legs. That's, that's not a prayer to pray. That's that's not right. That's not why God wants us to do it. It reminds me of a story, though, of an evangelist. This evangelist had this guy that was giving him a bad time. He was either uh, writing letters to his ministry or he was picketing outside his meetings. And so this evangelist, he goes to New York and he has this meeting. And this young man that was on drugs and alcohol comes up and he gives his heart to the Lord. So this young man made such a difference excuse me, that the father of this young man comes to this evangelist's house whether it was his headquarters or his house, I'm not sure which one it was. But he told him, he goes, my son's made such a change, I want to do something. I want to, I want to do you a favor. It was more like, what can I do for you? I want to do you a favor. You know, this guy was his dad, this true story, this dad was one of the top five mafia bosses in New York City. But his son made such a change in his life, he wanted to do him a favor. And he said, for a second, this evangelist said, I thought about that guy that was giving me a bad time. He said, Lord, I don't want you to kill him. If you could just break his legs, that would be, that would be awesome. You know? But he, he couldn't do it. But he said he, he believed that this guy, if he would have said that to this, this gentleman, that like that, it would, it would have happened. But you can't be praying prayers of malice on people, guys. That's not what God's wanting you to do. If someone comes in here and they take your favorite seat or they don't shake your hands, you can't be praying down fire on them that the Lord will torch them or anything like that. But there was a place in the Bible where people didn't accept Jesus, and that's exactly what the disciples were going to do. They asked Jesus here in Luke 9. They said, and when the disciples and James and John saw this, 
They said, Lord, you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them, just as Elijah did. But Jesus turned to them and he rebuked them. He said, you don't know what manner of spirit you're in or you're of. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy man's life, but to save man's life. And that's why, guys, we can't have malice and anger in our life. It's not God's plan and purpose for, his, for, you, for you and for the church and for our Christian walk. Christ came to save man. Anger and malice destroys man. Matter of fact, Jesus says in Matthew, I say, uh, I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. And I was thinking about this verse this morning, guys, and that verse is a mouthful. You can never live that verse, guys, right there, unless you begin to cast off the old clothes of the old nature. Because this right here is, is the love of Christ. The love people that despisably use you and, and want to hurt you. That takes a love that I don't have in myself. That takes a love that you don't have in yourself. That takes the love of Christ. So to live in that verse right there, guys, you're going to have to lay down some flesh in your life. You're going to have to lay down the old nature in your life. And you're going to have to take on the nature of Christ because that's the only way you can love some people like that. Malice has to be put off. It has to be thrown out of your wardrobe. It has no place in the Christian life. Peter tells us to lay it aside. He says right here in 1 Peter 2 and 1, Therefore lay aside all malice, all deceit, all hypocrisy and envy, and all evil speaking. And then he says, As newborn babies desire the pure milk of the word. Peter puts malice and he puts deceit, he puts envy, and he puts babies and milk, he puts it all together. So that shows me, guys, right there, if you're struggling with deceit and envy and all these things, then you're not mature in the Lord. There's a place that you need to come up higher, that you're going to have to grow up. These are things, according to Peter, that newborn babies deal with that are still on milk. Guys, we have to grow up in Christ. And see, you can't be mature in Christ if you're spiritually still dressing in kids' clothes. you got to grow up. I had a, I had a friend... Uh, when I first met him, he was really skinny, and then I met him some few years later, and he's a pastor now, and uh, he looked like he'd been lifting weights. He had this really tiny, tight shirt on. It came above his belt, and the shirt came past his biceps, and I thought he was kind of ripped, and I said, dude, you've been working out? And he's all, no, I'm just wearing my daughter's shirt. <laughs> and you could tell it was really tiny. And that's like some Christians, guys. We're, we're still wearing envy. We're still wearing pride and malice, and we're still wearing speaking evil in our lives. We're still wearing clothes, guys. It doesn't fit our Christian life. And you have to change those things. You can't be living in a child's clothes. You need to grow up in Christ and be clothed in his spirit. We've got to get off the milk and get on the meat of God's word. Number four, Paul says blasphemy. And blasphemy means the act or the attributes of claiming the attributes of God. Blasphemy means doubting the power of God or mocking of God. And see, guys, don't doubt the power of God to work in your life. You may be here today going through something thinking, you know, God can't touch this. He can't fix this situation. God can fix any situation in your life. Don't doubt what God can do. Whatever you're going through, whatever situation you're in, God has the power and the authority to fix it. He said, all power in heaven and earth has been given unto me, and he can touch your life. He can touch that situation. He can help that whatever you're going through to make it right. You just can't doubt God, guys. When we doubt God, it, it can become a form of spiritual blasphemy. Don't doubt what God can do in your life. Some people have doubted God so long in their life that their doubt is turned into mocking because they don't see the results. They don't see what, what um, you know, God's doing in, in behind the scenes. Don't doubt what you can't see. See, people laughed and mocked at Noah building that building. What was it, like 120 years building that boat? 
You know, they didn't see what God was doing. What's rain? You know, what's, what's a flood? They didn't know what was going on. But guess what? One day it rained. It rained one day, guys. God may speak a word into your life today that you can't see it. It's not for this. It's not for today. It's for maybe a later time, a later season in your life. It may be about your kids. It may be about your family getting saved. But you don't doubt God. You hold on. You trust God. Because we walk by faith and not by sight, guys. Just because you don't see the results doesn't mean God's not doing something. The Bible says, for God is not man that he should lie. If God's given you a word, he spoke something in your life, you hold on to it. It's going to happen. You know, people for years have doubted the coming of the Lord, mocked it, made fun of it. My grandpa said that a thousand times, you know, back in the past. You know what, guys? One day it's going to happen. The Bible says the trump of God is going to sound and the dead in Christ is going to rise and we're going to go to be with the Lord forevermore just because you don't see it right now doesn't mean it's not going to happen. Don't let your doubt turn into mocking, guys. Don't let it turn into some form of blasphemy. Blasphemy means this, too, the lack of reverence. And I wonder how many people in the church commit unknown blasphemy because we profess Christ with our mouth, but we show so little in our actions, in our lives. One example, guys, is um, the altar. You know, we have altar service sometimes, and, and, and you know, people get up, they leave, they go sit out in the seats, and they start visiting with their friends. And the Lord's trying to do a work down here in people's lives. And we act like it's no big deal. There's a lack of reverence there. I'm, you know, I'm hungry. I want to go out and get my, my hamburger. You know, we can't even stay two hours for a church service. You know, when we're visiting with our friends and we show disrespect to the move of the Spirit of God. And it's serious what goes on down here. There's life and death decisions that go on down here. People are praying for things in their life. They're praying to get their kids back. They're praying for their marriages. They're praying for salvation and for their homes. And there's no place to be disrespectful and be visiting and talking and walking out when the Spirit of God is moving. The Bible says when one person, one sinner comes home, all of heaven rejoices. That's pretty important. That's pretty important. I think that's a little bit more important than you getting a Big Mac. Proverbs 7 says this, 1 and 7. How does a man become wise? The first step is to trust and reverence the Lord. Church, you don't want blasphemy in your clothing locker. You don't want it in your wardrobe. You need to cast it off, get rid of it. Number five, Paul tells us that filthy language, foul speech, coarse humor, obscene language, that seems to be the normal today in our society. You almost have to have a filter on your ears when you go outside your house because you're going to hear all kinds of things. You're going to see all kinds of things, guys. We live in a society where vulgarity and dirty and foul speech is looked at to be cool. But that's not the speech of a man of God or a woman of God. We're to be different, the Bible tells us. We're to show Christ. Our speech, our actions is to show Christ. We're not to be filthy, dirty, and foul in our talk and our language and our gestures, guys. Why would people want what you have if you don't have something different than they already have, than they already got? We're to show Christ in our lives, guys, to the world. Colossians 4 and 6 says, Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt. Salt's a symbol of purity. Grace and purity go together, guys. We have to have it in our lives. A person who's vulgar and dirty in their speech and their, and their gestures and their language, guys, they got issues. They have a heart issue. Matthew tells us in 1234, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, guys. 
So if you're gesturing and your talking's all foul and stuff, you need a heart, you need a heart transplant. You need God to touch your heart. You get a clean heart, guys, you'll get clean speech. You'll get clean actions in your life. Psalms 51 says this, create in me, O God, a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. We need a clean heart. We need a new spirit in us, guys. And it's not going to come from dressing in the flesh, dressing in the, the, the natural man. It's going to come from putting those things off and putting the things of Christ on in our lives. The worship team wants to come on back up. I'm just about done. Number six, Paul tells us lying. Paul tells Colossians to stop lying since you put off the old man with his, his old deeds and to put on the new man. See, when we take off that old nature, we're supposed to put on that new nature in Christ. Lying's not part of it. Lying's part of the old nature, the old man, the old nature. The new nature we have in Christ doesn't lie, guys. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He's the truth. Lying's not truth. Lying's untruthfulness. It's dishonesty. It's deception. And there's no place for it in the Christian's life. We've got to lay that stuff off. We've got to take it off. This is what the Bible says about liars. Revelations 21 and 8. All liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. I don't know about you guys, right? but that right there is enough for me to want to take that shirt off or that pair of pants off and not have it in my wardrobe. It gives a whole new meaning to the word liar, liar, pants on fire. You know, you, can't, you, can, you don't want to be wearing that. You want that out of your life. Proverbs 6 and 16 says this, there are six things that the Lord hates, and one of them is a lying tongue. You can't be right with God and be a liar. You can't have the blessings of God in your life and be a liar. You can't have the, the abundant life that God wants for you being a liar. God hates it. If it's a part of your life, you've got to get rid of it. You've got to take it off and cast it out because that's not the wardrobe that the Lord wants for you guys. You can't be pleasing to God and still be lying. And then sometimes, guys, we lie to ourselves. We think everything's okay. We're struggling and we're going through things in our lives and we don't want to tell nobody. You know, everything's okay. I'm good. We lie to ourselves. Shakespeare said to thy own self, be true. You got to be truthful to yourself. How can you, you can't be truthful to God if you can't be truthful to yourself. The Lord already knows what you're going through. He already knows what you're struggling so don't lie about it. Just get it right with God. Give it to God. Paul tells the Colossians, he says, put off, strip away, lay aside anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language, and lying, guys. These are, these are clothes you don't need in your life. These are things, the sinful clothes, stained clothes that you need to cast off your life. They don't need to be a part of your Christian life. You need to pull them off. You need to throw them away. Again, 2 Corinthians says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature, a new creation. All old things have passed away. All things have become new. You're a new person in Christ, so don't pick up the old clothes of the old flesh of the nature, guys. You're that new cre creature in Christ. The power of, of the flesh has no more power over your life. If you allow the Holy Spirit to come in your life and abide in you, the Holy Spirit will dress you. He will put the right clothes on you. He won't let you have mismatched outfits. He will clothe you in the things of God. God's got a plan and purpose for your life. You're that king's kid, and he wants to wrap that robe of righteousness upon your life, guys. He doesn't want you living in, in messed up, dirty clothes because he paid a price for your life. He shed his blood. 
And if you're here today, I'm going to open up these altars. If you don't want us to pray for you, you can go to the altars. If you want us to pray for you, I want to pray with you. If you've been struggling, guys, with malice, if you've been struggling with anger, you've been struggling with hurt and and things in your life, the Lord wants to set you free today. You don't have to walk in the old flesh, the old nature, the old clothes. God's got a set of fresh clothes for you today that you can have, that you can put on in Christ. And if you're here today, guys, and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you haven't asked him in your heart, you're wearing dirty, filthy rags. And the Lord wants to give you new clothes. He wants you to be clean before him. He wants to wash you clean in his precious blood. And so if you don't know the Lord today, guys, I want to pray with you that the Lord would just wrap his robe of righteousness around you and love you. And guys, and like I said, if you just need prayer in your body, I'm going to have the prayer team come on up, and we're just going to pray with you. And spend some time at the altar, man. That's where you grow, guys. That's where you get rid of the old clothes, the old nature, is you spend time with the Lord. So I love you this morning. And if you have a need, we want to pray with you. Praise the Lord. Thank you.